Well, uh, it's finally here. It's state champs week. Um, most of your seasons will be ending in a few days. So we have a couple of uh, parting thoughts to give you at the end of the racing season. And in order to do that, we have a treat for you guys today. We have uh, the incomparable Carl- Colin De La Garza. Uh, first, I, I said the incomparable Colin De La Garza. Um, got him here today. I think it's the first time we've had an actual team member on the podcast. Miles. Uh, no, well, well, he wasn't a guest, though. He was a host. Miles was hosting. Colin's not hosting. We're taking him down a rung. Colin's going to sit here, and uh, we'll, we're going to interview Colin and get all the wisdom out of him today. Um, uh, Colin, as by way of introduction, I think most people who listen to this probably already know you, but if people don't, what's your deal? Uh, yeah, I'm Colin De La Garza. Uh, I've been racing for about four years. Started my freshman year. Uh, I fell in love with it. It's some of the most fun I've ever had. Uh, I race with Dan, and then I'm also on the Olympus High School mountain bike team. I've traveled with Dan. We've gone across the country, out towards Arkansas, Pennsylvania this year, which was a crazy experience. And, uh, yeah, we've just been having a blast. I love the races. It's been a party. I mean, Dan does a great job putting it on, and uh, I love the racing situation that I've been in. Fantastic. Racing varsity? Varsity, yeah, and then uh, in the seventeen eighteen UCI category in the Sweet. spring and fall. Now, now, Colin, uh, I've I've ridden with you. You you are fun to watch as a bike rider. Uh, I think I, I think Dan, would would you agree? Well, the thing I'd have to say about Colin is like when Colin, Colin just has so much energy. He's he's just got like a big spirit or something because when he enters a room or something. He's just got a huge presence. He's just, there's just, the kid is just full of energy. And if he can channel that energy right, he can do like anything he wants to do. And, and that's something I just love about Colin. Like if we ever go on a trip and it hasn't happened very often, but if we ever go on a trip without Colin, there's like this big void. There's just like not nearly as much energy in the van or in the room, you know, so he's just, he's just super fun, fun to be with. I've, I've had so much fun riding with him. Well, Colin used to do, like, when, when Colin first started, he would come on pretty much every one of my big, crazy, long rides. Those are the best. Those and, are so fun. And it was, just, yeah, and he was, like, he was just a regular at those. And I like to think that might be some part of the reason he's so fast nowadays. But it was it's just been so much fun riding with Colin, and, and he's, he's just a good kid. All right, so, Colin, we're going to do – a quick rapid fire, get to know you here, okay? Uh, don't overthink these. You have five seconds per question, then I'll move on to the next one, okay? Okay. All right. Favorite race course? Ooh, uh, Pennsylvania. Least favorite race course? Mm-hmm. That's a good question, honestly. Ooh, uh, quick, quick, I didn't quick. like Missoula. It's really steep and really Whoa. wet. Ooh, that's a hot take. That's a, wh- that's a really hot take. It right? is a hot take, I know, but it the climbing's great, but I've had bad crashes there, and I've uh, got bad juju. So okay, okay. It what, could be bad. What bike are we on? I was on my Spark. Spark. Uh, what fa- favorite tire? Favorite tire? Yeah, Aspen. Favorite pre-race meal? Mm, oatmeals and pancakes. Oatmeal and pancakes. Oh, what width on the Aspen? Favorite tire width? Two point four. Why was oatmeal a plural there? Mm, that's a good question because there's different kinds of oatmeals. Yeah, Dan. Okay. You got the strawberry and cream, the peaches and cream, the regular, the apple and cinnamon. The apple and cinnamon. Do you remember? It made, I don't know if you're old enough to remember when that box that you'd get from Costco with the instant oh, had a banana one. Do you remember? Yes, the banana I remember one? the banana. That they one. discontinued. Yeah, it had the freeze dried bananas in it. Yes, it was so good. I, I loved the banana one. Really quick. Dan and I are sharing a mic, so if there are ever any awkward pauses, <laughs> it's me trying to get the mic in front of Dan's mouth and share as many germs as possible. Um, <laughs> 
okay, final rapid fire question. Uh, what's your goal for states this weekend? I gotta get in the top five, dude. Top five? I know those kids are fast. There are a bunch of fast kids this year. Like I know pretty much all of the top ten. They are fast racers, but I think if if what if it doesn't happen again this year, like what happened last year, I think it could be possible. Okay. Okay. Wait, I, I say we're not done with the rapid fire because okay. I, I get a couple, right? Oh, yeah, damn. Kay. I said I get a couple. All right, what do you order at Cafe Rio? Oh, this is a – I get the uh, sweet pork burrito with uh, mild on the uh, – um, sorry, medium sauce on the outside, hot sauce on the inside with black beans, and then I get the chips and queso. And then I get uh, the salad on it and get a side of uh, the house dressing. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it down. Okay, what is the perfect pizza? Ooh. See, that's a hard one because – there's different moods of pizzas, but a margarita pizza is always consistently good. Okay. Always. And what is your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? Hmm. Probably the mashed potatoes. Okay. Those are always good. Those are good. The turkey can be off, but the mashed potatoes are always good. I, I think turkey's overrated. Honestly, not a, not a big turkey. Fan. I'll yeah. eat it for Thanksgiving, but I like chicken better. Yeah, I like lots of things better, but it's yeah. fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's okay. Okay. Well, so uh, really quick, while we're talking about states, uh, you guys, uh, uh, Friday, you guys went down, rode the course, and, and there were, there were uh, a few Maybird kids there, huh? <laughs> you, were, you were saying that like half the people there were in Maybird kids, right? Yeah, like literally half the, half the kids there on Friday were in Maybird kits. And honestly, like, I don't know what it was, but it was just one of the happiest most fun days of my life we you know we took a van full of like kids down but there are a whole bunch of other neighbor kids there rode in big groups all day and i just i just had so much fun so what 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 are your thoughts on the course i think it's probably like design wise i think it's like one of the smartest courses nike has ever done because especially in varsity you have like 120 kids who are always looking for the win and like they're fast i mean and then there's the top guys that are super fast, but everyone in that course, in that category, can race. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And that long fire road at the start is going to be super helpful because at the last stage course, even though we had that fire road, it had that turn and then it was that big bottleneck and it was pretty And short. then that super steep climb. Exactly. But this, it's pretty straight, it's flat, and it's not super loose, which is good. And I don't know if they're going to do a rolling start, but um i think that's really smart and uh the climb is so hard those two for anyone who's done it there's these two big fire roads that are new that i've never done they're very not new they've been around for probably well, they've been around for 60 while. 70 years yeah <laughs> but they are definitely brutal you have two of them back to back but uh yeah this the start is is probably one of the longest starts i've ever seen yeah before it goes into single track it probably i'm guessing i didn't really I didn't time the whole thing, but I'm guessing it's probably like six or seven minutes, maybe. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good a good length. Uh, and a lot good. of starts are only like a minute or two. And yeah. So or it's, it's Pennsylvania where it's thirty seconds, and then it's a bottleneck, and everybody yeah. they get off their bikes and run. Yeah, it's and and it's kind of nice because it it starts on a, a really wide road, and it just kind of gradually gradually gets more and more narrow as you get closer to the scene. And it is really long, and it's not super steep, but it is a definite consistent climb. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into the single track and it's, it's a slight kind of false flat, slightly downhill. You get a little bit of rest, but not much, but it, it is a great course. And I thought it was kind of a, 
it was really old school. Like if you only ever ride at Trailside or or what are some of those other, like Tidal Wave or whatever, you're in trouble because none of the corners are banked. Nope. Um, We're all flat and it's, rocky. It's about as old school as you get. Um, but and it's a little spicy for a Nike course, I thought. Yeah, like it's definitely a, a big thing that's different is we have those drops and there's all the slick rock and then there's this one section where it's like super rough. Like I remember my hands were just killing me after four laps because it was so rocky. So I do have I do have a question for you, Colin. Mm-hmm. Like a, approaching this strategically, what is this like? A, is this a power course? Is, I I call it a dirt crit sometimes with a lot of these Nike races. Or is this one where like the technical side is going to play a little more? Um, I definitely think you're going to have to keep a lot in the tank because like it's like especially for varsity and JVA those three and four laps that last climb is going to kill you. But then you have to make sure you're ready for the technical section because. I mean, for me and a lot of the other varsity kids, it's not going to be that big of a struggle, technically-wise. But when you're tired and you're not paying attention, like, one small rock can be the end of your race. Like, it can take you out. And that's the – I think that's the hardest part about this course is just being prepared to uh, roll with the punches because it's going to be a brutal course. Like, people are going to crash. It's going to be flats. So you just have to make sure you're ready for it. It's going to be all over the, all over the place. Yeah, I my thoughts on the course was this is one where fitness won't be everything. Because like you've got that long road where you could really put in a good effort and make up make, you know, time-wise make a lot of difference on your fitness on the start road. And then a lot of it's really pretty flat. Um, so a lot of it, you know, definitely drafting and tactics are going to come into play. But a lot of the elevation you gain comes from two really short nasty climbs and like and these are just old school fire road kind of climbs um i timed them and they're probably going to be about 35 to 45 seconds each and and they kind of you kind of climb one that's like 35 seconds and you get like this teeny little rest it's not enough barely anything you don't get any recovery yeah you get a little bit of recovery but not a lot so that second one you're going to be gassed at the top, but then there's a pretty good descent that you, you don't really pedal on after that, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I do think that like how you ride your bike is going to be really important. It's not just about fitness on this one. It's about being smooth, um, keeping your front front tire on the trail, keeping your hands light, yeah. leaning your bike, not, you know, leaning, not steering. Yeah. It's going just, to be a challenge. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's super fun. It's gonna it's really cool. I'm glad they're doing a course that's this interesting because I figure the the kids that qualify for state mm-hmm. are at least decent enough riders. They can handle. Something yeah, I like think this. they'll be okay. I mean, and there's A and B lines too. So like, if you're really like not feeling one thing on a section, you can always go around it. There, there's ways to get around it all. So I wasn't able to make it down. Um, how would you describe the technical sections? Are we talking like? Uh, like like rock gardens or drops and stuff. What 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 sort of technical things are people going to have to contend with if they haven't had a chance to pre ride yet? Yeah, so it's pretty unique actually. So you do the first climb and then you do the first descent, which is rocky but doable, and then you hit this big section of rocks. It's super rocky and it's pretty loose. Like I guarantee you, you'll see one kicked out rock. Um, oh, okay. It, and uh, and then it gets onto the the second fire road, and then it's all like uh, pretty technical descents. Like there's drops and uh, slick rock and like sharp corners, and uh, there's that one super popular drop that everyone gets pictures at. And then, yeah, it's definitely unique. And then, um, yeah, there's like two sections of rock gardens, and then you have that eye cup section. And I don't know if everyone's done that, but 
that section is very uh, technical. It's got drops and uh, sharp corners and like obstacles. There's those wood bridges and yeah, it's definitely a unique course. It's got a little bit of everything. So are there any uh, particular equipment changes you're making, like suspension-wise, tire pressure-wise? for like the Because most Nike courses aren't this technical. Right? No. Yeah, no, I would definitely make sure to – you want to keep your tire pressure higher than like if you were going to do like a big technical section because of the puncture, the like the pinch punctures and stuff because it's going to happen if you run too low of pressure. But the, the start road's pretty sandy too, so yeah. you don't want to – yeah, you, you know, you're going to – it's going to slow you down too, you know? So I, th- I think one thing with, with like how you ride is important. Like if you're going over a rock, don't be sitting down. And yeah, you'll get bucked over. if you're going over a rock, your hands should be light. Cause mm-hmm. I think those two things really help prevent pinch flats yeah. just as well as like tire pressure does, you know? Like, but I mean, if I wouldn't run lower than normal tire pressure, Mm-mm. For sure, even though it is sandy, I wouldn't I wouldn't run lower than normal, but I'd probably maybe run at normal, maybe just plus just a teeny little bit, just to be yeah. safe, kind of. And I wouldn't do anything higher than like tw- it depends on the, of course it depends on your tire and your rim, but for me I would never run more than twenty two because I'm super worried about those. It's a tight tire like that could get yeah that's and that's trouble. gonna slow you yeah it's gonna slow you down a lot of. I would. I was thinking too. You know, this might be a good one. You know, if you're thinking about getting new tires, I, I think that's really what's going to prevent you from getting flats is yeah, making sure your tires aren't old, mm-hmm. and that you know that you do have sealant <clears throat> and and you're riding with some darts and stuff just in case yeah, you know always. you have to do a quick fix. Because, like, I helped two people fix flat tires, but they were both like old, kind of worn out, cracking tires anyway. Yeah. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I always recommend that, like, even if you're riding or like, especially when you're racing, like you carry a dart and a CO2, and then like, that way if you get a pinch flat, especially here, you just throw it in, and it could save your race. I mean, there's times when you can't do anything about it, but it saved races for me, and I know it has for others. Okay, so this is interesting because Colin, I'm glad we have you here, Colin, because you are, I would say, you, I mean, you're kind of on the A squad. You're one of the 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 fastest riders we've got on the team. So if, if there's someone listening to this where this is their first state champs or uh, this is their first season racing, um, dealing with a lot of the pressure, being concerned about like racing incidents and stuff like that, what advice would you give uh, to one of our younger riders who's uh, worried about ri- racing at a course this technical, who's wondering what, you know, what, what happens if things go wrong, what happens if I have a bad day, what, what kind of goes through your mind at a race like this? So I always say be prepared, for sure. That's important. Like... Make sure you're eating well, especially drinking a lot because of the cramping issue. But if you love the sport, you love the sport. Like, I, I'm a very competitive kid, and I get really mad at myself. I don't like to show it as much anymore, but I get pretty mad at myself if I crash or I flat. And but you have to love it. Like, like if you're young and you're just getting into it, make sure you love doing it. Because if you don't and you're just kind of doing it like to try it out, great. But if you don't love it, it's going to be harder. But you have to grow into it. And and you have to learn, too. Because you learn. Like, I've learned what tire pressure I run and what I eat through trial and error. Because I remember one time with Dan, it was, like, one of my first national races in Arkansas. I ate a sausage egg McMuffin and was, like, about to puke the middle of my race because I ate uh, meat. And now I know I can't eat that. I have to eat, like, pancakes and oatmeal. Oatmeal, plural. <laughs> like, it's... You just have to find what works for you. 
So, and this is actually interesting because, and I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of different people that like getting into this sport is hard because it really sucks. It goes from in relatively short amount of time, it goes from being the worst thing ever to the thing you can't stop thinking about and doing. So if, if someone's listening to like, you know, cause he said, if you don't love it, you don't do it. But like, did, did you kind of have that experience of like hating it? Your parents made you go. And then all of a sudden it clicks. Yeah. So that's a funny story. So I was going to, when I came into high school, I didn't know anything about biking. And my dad randomly signed me up for the team because uh, Greg Peterson, who's a good friend of my dad, his kid was doing it. And uh, I hated it. I went to my first practice, and it was terrible. It was so steep, and it was the worst. And then... what? Where was your first practice, by the way? It was in Mopai. Okay. Yeah. That's a rough first practice. Yeah, that was my first red practice. It was like, that was the big team on Olympus back in the day. Now it's black. And like, I remember I was like, this is the worst day ever. I'm walking my bike. These kids are just dropping me. And for a while it was like that. But then I started to go ride by myself more. And I started to meet people that I really liked, like Sam Kelber and Andrew May. Those guys have been my friends forever now. And uh, I just found a way to love it. Like, I love the training. Like, a lot of people don't like the hard work but I would much rather sit in my basement on my trainer for three hours and just get off the bike and like fall over than sit around and watch TV like it's gotta you have to be obsessed with it and okay. like obsession's gonna beat talent every time you could be the most athletic kid out there but if you don't like it it's not gonna be a good thing for you I like that and it, I, you guys don't know really what I was gonna be talking about at the end of this but that would have been a awesome segue well now now i'm worried because colin like my job is just to segue you between segments that's like the only function i serve here now colin's doing it better than i am but you kind of have to learn the timing colin you have to look at dan's notes beforehand and then have like some hokey artificial transition to be like oh yeah no that is true i was thinking today what about zone two by the way yeah yeah and and um i i'm glad that you in particular are here because like uh dan kind of pitches these topics to me ahead of time and, uh, you know, like Colin, and I've been talking for a while, like trying to get him on the podcast is we're both, we're all busy people, you know, getting him on. But Dan was telling me, he's like, you know, he wants to, he's like, so if he wants to talk about today and I'm like that we need to have Colin on for this particular, cause I think you're really, really good at, um, the kind of, cause you know, like, like we've said before that like you can have amazing legs, but if your mental game sucks, you're not going to have a good race. You're going to suck. Right. Yeah. And, and so this is like, if it, for, for like the, the real sciencey people listening to this who really like it when we talk about like numbers and studies and stuff, I think this is kind of going to be one of those episodes. It's a little more like in the clouds, right? I've got two studies to see. You know. Okay. Well, Dan, don't ever get that close to my face again. <laughs> Always comes prepared with the studies. I know. I was like, was like hang on, Dan. You're turning with the mic in just a sec. Uh, like, I really am glad that like you in particular, because we've, we've mentioned before that like, like, Bike racing, and I kind of think mountain bike racing in particular is like a good test of how good you are under pressure, right? Mm, for sure. When, you know, like uh, you mentioned have a dart with you, you have these other things like be ready to like make the, the panic decision like, oh shoot, I'm going flat, we're going to fix this, we're going to get back on, we're going to keep going. Is that like a natural thing that you've developed or you just kind of like 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 that or? Yeah, um, I'm like, like I said, I'm definitely a competitive kid and being under pressure always scares me. Like, there have been times when, I'm not going to lie, I've had a little a tear or two in the start line, I'm not going to lie. And uh, it's uh, it's definitely stressful. And But I think that's what makes you a fast bike racer, is that you use that stress to you put it into your race. You put it forward. And uh, especially, like, when you have a flat, 
you're freaking out, you just need to stop, take a breath, and just really focus on that flat, fix it, and then get back in the zone. So I'm curious, do you have an example of a time when you did not do that and you lost your head? Mm, yeah, that's actually a good example of Missoula, the, okay. the course that has been an issue with me for a long time. Um, when I was with Dan this year, I was started and I was doing great. I was in like, I think 15th or so. I was sitting right behind a bunch of Bear National kids, which I was stoked about. And uh, I start standing up to keep up with them on the first hill. I put out um, close to 1200 watts and then my chain snaps. Oh, wow. So you that's a bad one. That's one yeah. that I think a lot of people would And it was more than just a chain snap, though. It wrapped into in my wheel, broke my spokes, and pretty much destroyed a lot of my bike. Dan, remember. And so then, did you crash? Because I've broken a chain before. And if you break a chain under a lot of power, that's like a really dangerous... Like, that usually leads to a crash. Uh, luckily, I was ascending, but I just, like, fell over. Because I was, like, just started spinning. I was like, where did all my power go? And right. I looked down, I'm like, oh... I have no power. If, no if this is not, if, if you're listening to this and this um, kind of, I don't know how to, because basically like imagine you have a platform underneath yourself while you're trying to jump, right? Like you're trying to jump as high as you can. And then all of a sudden the, the floor falls out. Or like, if you've seen the, like the videos on Instagram of like someone jumping on a trampoline and it breaks underneath them. Exactly. It's kind of the same thing. Like I've, I broke a chain one time doing a standing start interval. And I crashed so hard because like it's like you have 1200 watts of power that suddenly has nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And it usually ends up launching you over the bars. Yeah. So like that's like you almost have a heart attack, even if you don't crash. Like that is a terrifying race situation. So you follow. And so what, what do you do in that situation? Um, I did the wrong thing. Okay. Uh, well, at first it was the right thing. I ran down to Dan. Okay. Um, and I was like freaking out. I was okay. like dazed. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? My bike is broken. How am I going to finish? Okay. And then Dan goes, yeah, I don't think you can finish. And then this, uh, I remember this guy from one team, I think from Colorado, he was like, yeah, man, that bike is done. And I was like, that like kind of put me over the top and I overreacted and I got all mad, but I, I should have been like, oh dang. Like I should have been more in the moment and like focused on the good things. Like, Hey, right. I put out all that power. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. You're not hurt. I no, guess. I'm not hurt. Right. I was fine. Um, but it was definitely like something that taught me, like I got to be more in the moment and not freak out in those situations. Like I've had, and especially I've had like in Temecula as well, I had that bad crash in the short track at the start and I went down hard, but I was able to be like, okay, I went down, but I can get back in on this. And then I was able to make some spots back. But that moment, I definitely felt like I wasn't able to control myself mentally. And I had a little bit of a freak out. But you live so, and you learn. So that's interesting because I actually had a, a, a conversation with the boys I coach about this. Is I think a really interesting test of a person's character is what they do in like a, like a bad situation like that. Right? Like um, you're driving... And police lights show up behind you. Are you the kind of person that's going to panic and slam on the gas and get yourself into more trouble? Or are you the kind of person to calmly assess the situation, figure out what you're going to do? You know, and that doesn't mean that you can't be emotional. Because I actually remember your crash into Macula. I, I was there. You were there. Yeah, I was there. And, and like, you, it, was, it was interesting because you had, there was so much, like, energy in, in you at that moment. Like, I could tell you were really, really upset. But, like, you didn't go and take a swing at someone. You didn't throw your bike. You didn't have some kind of, like you know, panicky meltdown, right? Like, and that's, because I, I do think you see that a lot of times in kids, like they have a crash or they like, 
they have a mechanical or something, and then their mental game just completely goes out the window and they panic, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. And, like, you're there to race. You're not there to throw a temper tantrum or hit a kid or break your bike, even though you've probably already done it. Um, you're there to race, and that's what you have to think. And uh, when you're racing, you have a mindset, and you can't lose it, so you have to just focus back in and think, I gotta get back into this race, not I gotta ruin the day with a uh, bad experience. Yeah, I, I think probably the best example of that was that one race where Nino got a flat, and he was at the, the tech zone getting it fixed. He was like the most calm person you will ever see. He was taking a drink. He was kind of resting his legs a little bit. You know, he's like smiling. He was like stretching his neck, gets back on the bike. And I can't remember how that race finished, but he, he made up like a crazy amount of places. It was like probably his best performance ever. And he almost took that bad opportunity as a chance to like rest a little bit. And, and yeah. So. But I, I, I actually like that because it kind of comes down to like preparation, right? You know, like, um, I guess you could also have a really calm head, but if you don't have the right tools in your toolbox, there's like, you know, there's not a whole lot that you can do, right? So, yes, yeah, so let's start talking about getting ready for state. And we've been talking about this a lot lately, and there's just a few points, a few points when we talked about peaking a couple weeks ago, it kind of came down to, I think, four things that you really kind of have to have in line for a peak performance. I just want to review those really quick. And there's some of them you can't do a whole lot about at this point. But um, the first one is just coming fit. You know, you really need to plan your season so that you really show up at your peak event with about the most amount of fitness you can handle, you know, and you don't want to come with, you don't want to get to that point early in the season, you know, and, you know, so, so fitness is super important. But one thing along those lines, and I would go back. We did a podcast a while ago, like this time last year, about like catecholamines and some of the, the chemicals that our body creates when we exercise and how those kind of help block some of the pain of harder efforts, which is part of why we can have a peak performance is if those, if those chemicals are pumping through our blood in abundance can, can help improve performance. I'd listen to that. And that's Another reason why during this week, I know a lot of people want to super rest up for for states, but you've got to stay consistent. You got to keep you got to keep at it because like our body, like maintaining this level of fitness, our body doesn't want to do it unless it absolutely has to. And if you just totally take this week off, your body's going to start shedding some of that real high end fitness. So you got to maintain your fitness this week. Um but you also have to come fresh. You have to, you can't, you know, the feeling after like a big epicish ride or like a, a, an elite eye cup race or something, you just, you're delayed. You can barely walk up the stairs. You're just destroyed. You can't yeah. do anything. It's the you worst. Don't, <laughs> you don't want to feel like that at all this week. You know, that would not, that would not be beneficial. So you have to freshen up a little bit. And, and usually I have, I've, Personally, I don't. I haven't nailed this yet. I haven't figured out the magic formula. But generally, that's done by just making your workout shorter. You know, if you usually, or if a workout's usually two hours, make it an hour and a half. You know, if you do, say you do a certain your magic interval fifteen times, maybe now just do it like ten times. So I'm I'm curious, Colin, as as like a, a contender for a podium in mm-hmm. varsity at this at, at states. 
um, what is your plan for this week? Like, what is what is the you know? Because we we've talked about how like everyone has a slightly different thing that works for them leading up to a race. What have you f- had success with? Um. So I definitely do a taper. That's a big thing. Like this week, it's gonna slow today is a big ride for me, but this is the last big one to get the body ready. And of course you have openers the day before. That's important. It gets the body ready for the pain, but it's less volume. It's um, hard, easier on the legs, but you're still maintaining your fitness. It's zone two. It's um, easy. It's uh, some like um, minutes in zone three. Very few though. And you just want to make sure you get the rest in, but you need to maintain your fitness. That's the most important part is finding that balance. Yeah, that's it. It's it's fine. It's striking a balance, which is kind of not easy to do, really. Not easy but at all. It's, it, you, I still struggle with yeah, it, and you, I've been doing just, it forever. You just can't spend the whole week on the couch, but you can't. You're really not trying to build fitness this week either. You're just trying to make it so your body doesn't get rid of what fitness you, what race fitness you have. You know, so so yeah. So you got to come fit. The second one is come fresh. You should feel like my general rule of thumb is you end every workout this week wanting more. You know, like when you're doing your intervals, you do an interval, you're like, oh, wow, that feels good. I want to go do another one. But you don't do it. Maybe you should just stop there, you know, because, yeah. So you come fit, come fresh. The third one is come fueled. You know, I was thinking about this uh, this cedar course, and those two steep climbs, you're not going to be burning butter up those climbs. Nope. You are going to be burning glycogen. I mean, you need to come topped off, you know, make sure that you are – that your glycogen stores are completely topped off. You yeah. Know? So after all your workouts, make sure you, you know, you have your chocolate milk, you eat a, a meal, you know, a couple days before start replacing some of your fiber and protein with more carbohydrates and then make those carbohydrates more simple as you get closer to the race. And um, yeah, you, you definitely want to come fueled. And you want to make sure to drink a lot too because Absolutely. you are going to cramp if you do not drink on those climbs. I guarantee it. I've done it before. Yeah, you know, start, you know, having more sodium, mm-hmm. drinking scratch. Yeah, just throw it in a bottle, take it to school kind of thing. So what, what is in your bottle when you're racing? When I race, um, it's the uh, scratch. It's the, uh, let's see, it's the lime and raspberry flavor. Ooh, okay. But the days before, I use the scratch high-carb raspberry and it's just a great way to get extra carbs, but not in a heavy way. It's I like it a lot. In fact, that's really good advice. So for people, I know a, a lot of girls especially sometimes struggle with carb loading. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes them sick and nauseous and stuff. Drinking your carbs is a really easy way yeah. to, to get like drinking juice or, you know, it, it's nice to drink like a scratch or something because you're kind of loading up on sodium mm-hmm. too a little bit before the race. And the last one... And perhaps even maybe the most important one, I think, is kind of the secret sauce to a peak performance is is just showing up with the right state of mind. And we've talked about this quite a bit lately, probably more so than we did in previous years, because I think I'm starting to personally grasp the importance of it myself a little better. Um, but yeah, showing up with the right state of mind. And that's kind of what I want to talk about is, is kind of our deep dive today. Um, the, the first thing I want to talk about is just being kind to yourself. What if you showed up to a race and you're there, you're being staged, you know, you're in staging and you look around and all of a sudden there's this, there's this person that shows up to the race that like says, Hey Colin or Hey Joe or Hey Jane or whoever, 
these guys look way faster than you. He's like, <laughs> that would kill me. That that would be so hard to deal with. Wouldn't that be awful? Or yeah. like, what if he said like, what if this guy or, or this person said, do you know what? I don't think you really belong here. I don't think you're really good enough to be here. This is not going to, this is not going to go well for you. I mean, that would be terrible if someone showed up and said that you'd be pretty devastated. You know, what if like during the race, you know, you start out and like on the start, you're like, your legs kind of start to burn and you start getting kind of gassed and winded and you feel like you're blowing up and there's this person shows up again and they're like, they're like, uh, I don't think today's your day, dude. This is not going to go well for you today. Everyone else is fine and you're already dead. I mean, that's not helpful, right? Not at all. You know, and like later in the race when you're just kind of exhausted, you're trying your best, all of a sudden this person shows up again and they're, they're just like, oh my gosh, you suck. Oh, that would be what is brutal. Your problem? Terrible, right? Like, and then, you know, you get really dark into the race and all of a sudden this person shows up again and just starts saying things like, you know what? Who cares? Like, this race really doesn't matter to you anyway. It's not that important. Just like, yeah, dude, just it doesn't matter. Give up. Whatever. You know, if, if someone showed up to like a Nike race and said those things to you, like, they would get penalized. They would get kicked out of the race. But how many times does this person show up in your head and say those exact same things to you? Mm, I always think that. But I think you have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge, oh, this could be a terrible day. But I'm going to make the most out of it. Because like, I remember two years ago at State, I had a fever of 105 the day before. But I was like, I'm here to race. I'm not here to... Make an excuse and be like, I'm going to be sick. I, you should have been in the hospital, dude. Like, what are you doing? In start? I don't, I'm so sorry to jump in, but like, and I know both of your parents are doctors, so they probably cleared you, but 105? Yeah, it was the day before. It was terrible. And uh, so I just took a bunch of, I, I, I slept for like 13 hours that night. Okay. And I just took a bunch of ibuprofen and I was just like, I have to race. And I have to And be then there. you turned to the fever dream hallucination next to you and said, I'm going to kill it tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, so I showed up. I mean, so he's, yeah, we we should say we we don't condone necessarily doing. Yeah, definitely don't do that. Colin's parents are physicians, so he he knows what he's doing. But if you have a fever of 105, maybe stay in the ICU. Um, <laughs> but it, I actually kind of like that point that you made. I like the point you made there too, Colin, because like I do think you kind of have to acknowledge sometimes that like if you don't prepare for something, or if your equipment's off, or if the weather's bad, it might not be a good day. No. I don't think you can like positive self-talk your way into a good day per se i think you can positive self-talk your way into the best day you could possibly have is yeah. that is that fair yeah and, and we'll we'll talk a, and that's kind of where we're leading to is, is positive self-talk but before you can really positive self-talk i think we first need to deal with negative self-talk because personally like i'm a great person at all but i am probably the worst negative self-talker ever like, I'm usually nice to most people I meet. I'm kind of terrible to myself. Like, in my head, like, I tell myself I suck all the time. Why would you do that, Dan? I'm, You're the best. I'm, like, not kind to myself. And, and so first thing I think we need to start with is just kind of showing ourselves some love and and acknowledging what great people we are and and trying to kick this person out of our head that shows up and tells us what we can and can't do what we can't do you know 
I think that's really kind of the first, if, you know, if, if anyone else out there struggles with negative self-talk, it really doesn't help. Mm-mm. So I'm, I'm curious, Colin, is there a specific point that your evil negative self-talk persona goes after you? Because for me, it's always like, um, it's always like, here's a big long climb. You can't do this. Like, don't even bother. You're going to get dropped. Like, is, are there recurring things that you struggle with in races and stuff? It's definitely the day before. That's what hits me the hardest. I mean, during the race, I try not to think too much. I'm like mainly thinking like, okay, this hurts, but who cares? Like, just going to go for it. And I try to be off in my own universe when I'm racing, just trying not to focus about it. But the day before kills me. That's when my nerves are the worst. That's when I'm freaking out. Like, it's hard for me to go to bed. But then I think to myself, this thing may be showing up, but I showed up to this race. I'm here to race for myself. I may feel bad. I may be sick. It may be... Uh, 20 mile an hour wins like last state but I showed up I'm here to race it's my day and I can't let myself ruin that for me and then you just start to think like hey I made it here I'm prepared I trained I ate well I had good sleep I'm hydrated I'm feeling good you just have to get through that block because everybody has that devil on their shoulder that's like you're gonna do terrible everybody does everyone thinks that but you have to realize that you're here in the moment. You have to be in the moment. It's your time, not your time to fall. It's your time to be the best you. Yeah, it's it's interesting how energy can be used to like stop something's motion or start something's motion. And we just really, you know, if if, if that energy's negative, we need to try to change that to, to something more positive. Um, so I just want to talk. I've been reading the book Endure. I don't know if you've heard of that from Alex Hutchinson. And it's it's kind of like, it seems very, like, if you liked How Bad You Want It, I think it would be a good follow-up companion to reading that book. A lot of, I think a lot of the conclusions that book comes to are very similar to How Bad Do You Want It, and I've been, um, but but kind of from a dif- different perspective. But um, So Alex Hutchinson in that book, he's uh, he talks about a study that Samuela Marcora did where he took 24 subjects and had them ride to exhaustion. Okay, and then half of those, half of that group, 12 of those riders, he then had them kind of enroll in a two-week self-talk course where they were taught how to, to do positive self-talk, and they were trained on that intervention, and two weeks later, they repeated the, tra- the test, and those that had the intervention extended their time to exhaustion by 18%. The control group had no change whatsoever. That's impressive. That's very impressive. No, another Stephen Chung um, did a very similar study that was published in the in the Journal of Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise, and he did both a cognitive test and a TTE, a time to exhaustion test, and he did it in in ninety five degrees, so like really high temperatures, and. Um, Similar to the the Marcora test, he had half of the had half of the eighteen subjects enroll in two weeks of positive self talk training, and there was a control group that did nothing. So, uh, two weeks later, they were retested, and the 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 group with intervention with, the, with had the training 
extended their average time to exhaustion from eight minutes to 11 minutes. And the control test had no improvements. And the test with the group with the training also improved in their cognitive tests that they took. And the control group had no improvements either. So um, th there's some pretty strong evidence that this can be powerful stuff. Now, a time to exhaustion test is totally different than a cross country race. You know, you're not going to see an 18% improvement in your, but it's going to help for sure. Um, and so positive self-talk is something that like in the past, whenever it's been introduced to me or I hear people talking about it, I've kind of rolled my eyes and thought it's pretty wishy-washy and, and kind of weak sauce. And it's not as important as your training and your, and your nutrition and your fueling and all that stuff. I just, I've, I've always kind of just blown it off, shrugged it off a little bit, but as, as I'm getting older and wiser, I'm starting to realize that there's, there's something to it. Um, but I don't like to call it positive self-talk because like I couldn't line up in an elite eye cup and line up next to like these semi pros and think, I got this. I'm going to do it. This is going to be my day. I'm going to kill it. I mean, that's just bogus. Like, you know, that's not going to, there's no way I could positively self talk myself into keeping up with Nino shirt or anything like that, you know? So I, I think the, a better way to phrase it is calling it helpful self-talk or useful self-talk because that guy, that imaginary guy that shows up to the race that told us how bad we suck or what, you know, that a lot of us probably are dealing with. That's absolutely not helpful. That's, only going to make us go slower it's only going to ruin our experience um but i think there's things that we can do that we can there's some conversations we can have with ourselves that are actually going to help us and um you know like gabe gabe and oliver were on a podcast a little while ago one of them said something about you know when, when you're out there racing you have to be your own coach because there's really not someone out there i mean they, you might pass your coach like once and they can yell something at you, but that's not going to do a whole lot of good, really. You really kind of have to be your, your own coach out there. And I would add to that that you need to be a good coach to yourself. You need to be a helpful, positive coach to yourself. Um, so, so let's talk about how to make self-talk be helpful. Um, one thing that's, that's interesting is they found through different studies that actually talking to yourself in the second person is more effective. So rather than saying, I've got this, it's more effective to say, you've got this. And why do you think that might be? I didn't even know what the second person was. I had to think, because I've heard first person and third person. I was like, I don't actually know what the second person would be like. I'm this... in the same boat. That kind of confused me, but now I get it. Oh, okay. Because I don't know why I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to put, I'm pushing back a little bit on that. Why would that make a difference? Like I cannot, I'm, I, I, like, I believe you, but, like, what's the thought behind that? Okay, so my my theory on this, and this is just my theory, because I've thought about this a lot. Like, why would saying you've got this be better than saying I've got this? And I honestly think sometimes we take compliments and criticism more seriously if it comes from outside. That's what I was about to say. I feel like it's better if someone says, you like, if, if your dad comes up to you and says, you've got this, son, it's better if you say, I've got this. It's like positive reassurance from an outside source Almost is way more. more beneficial, I feel. And that, that was kind of my theory, too. I don't know if that's 
right? That that seems to make sense. That you know, like if someone showed up to the race and came up to you and just patted you on the back and said, "You've got this," that would kind of mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Could you do like third person where it's like, "Joe's got this." Joe's gonna win, or is that gonna is that is that like a bad internal monologue to be having? Like if you're LeBron James or something, or like a total narcissist, then maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I imagine that's like Kanye West every time he records a song. Like Kanye's got this. I've got. I'm like I'm trying to channel that. You know, like every time I'm on the bike now. You know, like I'm coming up to a big hill. Like Joe's got this. Joe's gonna crush this hill. Joe's gonna get the KOM. All right, yeah, so maybe, maybe we'll stick with the second person. I think that's probably some good advice. Yeah, I mean, because like, I feel like when you're in the start line and like your friends come up to you while you're sitting there freaking out and they're like, Colin, you've got this. It's like, yes, I do. I have this. This is mine. They've told me I have it. Yeah, so, so your helpful self-talk is going to change as the circumstances in the race change, like as the where you're at in the race changes. It's got to be flexible. You can't just have like one magical mantra that you repeat the whole time because situations change and you like you like one of the Gibbons said, you have to be able to coach yourself out there. I wish I could credit the right Gibbon. That sounded really bad that they're like one of the Gibbons, you know, they're, they're all Gibbons are fungible, Dan. Come on. You know, it's like they're not individuals with their own personalities and hopes and dreams, right? They're great people, but they love them to death. They're awesome people, but they sound the exact same. Like I, if I, if I turned around and one of two of them were talking to me, I could not tell. Would, would the Gibbons doing a podcast just sound like a guy doing a podcast and talking like, to talking himself, back and forth to himself? Be like it's like, oh well, how's it going, man? Well, it's going pretty good. Well, guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about this. <laughs> okay. Any, I like totally forgot what I was even talking about. Okay. So yeah. So your dialogue, your internal dialogue, needs to change depending on what you're dealing with during the race. Like. For instance, you know, like at the beginning, it's going to be different than like in the middle of the race. Like the beginning, some some useful things to say would be like, for example, you know, you've got this. Or one of my favorites is make it a good day. I like that phrase, you know. And, and another one I think is important to remind ourselves is you deserve to be here. You belong here. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I think sometimes we line up against people and we think that everyone's faster than us. And, and that's not always true. I do actually have a. I'm sorry to keep jumping in and take the mic for you again, Dan. I had a moment a, a lot like this where I I only went to nationals one time. Um, it was in 2016 at Mammoth Mountain, and they were doing the call ups, and I got I I was like 50th or 60th call up, I was pretty far back. And I remember the the kid that they called up for the final call up was Christopher Blevins. No way. Yeah, Christopher. The final call up. Yeah, he he got he he came up first place, and I had felt okay. Up until that point, because even back then, that was a name that meant something, right? And I remember watching that kid light up, and my soul left my body. And I was like, I should not be here. This is a huge mistake. Can I pull out now? I was like, kind of in the middle of the row, so I can't really back out of this now. Like, I'm, I'm sort of locked and loaded, but like, I don't think that helped me much in my race, right? Yeah, so that would be something not to do, which Joe has lots of examples of those. Um, but yeah, and and another good thing I think to remind yourself on the start line is that you did the work. You know, you think of how many rides you've done. You've hundreds, you've like thousands and thousands of hours on the bike. You yeah. have all the experience you need. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I think those are good things. So some good, positive, di- helpful dialogue that's going to help you before you start. 
So during the race, um, some, some, I think some helpful dialogue that you can have is going to be like one during the start, I think something to, to say to yourself would be this pace is temporary. You know, that this is not the pace that the entire rest of the race is going to be raced at. This is something that everyone here can only do for a minute or two. Like mm -hmm. no matter who they are, nobody can sustain this pace for very long. So you just kind of have to remind yourself that because yeah. I think sometimes you think that they're just going to be going this pace the whole time and you can only do it for a few minutes. And that's not true. Um, another thing would be a good thing to be to say to yourself is that you can push through this pain. Um, you can keep going. My personal favorite one is, and, and this is just kind of, a, I think, a really useful mantra to use during a race is, this hurts, but I'm okay. Because mm -hmm. then you're acknowledging that it hurts. Like you're living. Like It's going to kill you, but, but you're still upright on your bike going forward. You're not going to die. No. Like, <clears throat> yeah. You're acknowledging that it hurts, but you're okay. And that that pain isn't really hurting you. It just is uncomfortable and you don't really like it, but you're going to be okay. I think that's a really powerful one to keep in mind during races. Yeah, a really good quote about that is from the book Unbroken. Um, as Louis Zamperini is leaving for his um, debut race in the Olympics, his brother tells him a moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. Like I always think about that whenever I'm racing. That's like, if I can get through this, if I win, it'll be worth it. Right. Well, I actually just finished reading Alex Dowsett's autobiography that was really, really interesting, and I'd, I'd highly recommend. And he he kept, he said because he does time trial, which you could argue is like the hardest thing the I've ever done. Most painful. It is the I've done a couple. Right. The hardest thing I've ever done. They're cr they're crazy, right? But he and I love he said something along the lines of like pain is a moment. It has a beginning and it has an end, right? He's like he's like the the way you feel when the pain is is awful, right? But you have to remember like this this is temporary. It'll be over, you know, it's not, you're not going to feel like that forever. And that, you know, like, and I know this is a really hokey quote, but like pain is temporary, glory is forever, right? Kind of like you said, yeah, you yeah. know, that like, um, it might hurt really bad when you're on lap two of a four lap race on like the last climb or something, you're not even halfway done and you're already pretty, but like, you know, cross country race, you're like in like 30 minutes, this will be over and it'll feel great. Cause I did a really hard thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't, but I don't necessarily know that like winning an Ica race will give you eternal glory. But no, but it's just like the premise of it. Like that's a, it is a good thought because yeah. like the if a kid in Nika wins, um, it could mean just as much to him as Nino Schroeder winning the World Cup ten times. It's perspective. It's what you. It's what you've accomplished. Because like I know for me, maybe um, winning a Nika race isn't as important for me as getting in the top ten at nationals. That's a big deal for me. But it's still relative. It's like, if I can win Utah Nika, that's huge. That's like, that's like something like every kid in that group is thinking like, I could go down as like the kid who is the fastest in Utah. Well, and a kid that starts at like 120th and passes 30 people during the race, that's a win. That's too. a win. Yeah. And if like, there's, let's say, there's wins, wins come in a lot of different packages. Yeah. Like when I crashed and my derailleur was on the other side of my bike and I went from 200th to 165th, I was like, at least I finished. Mm -hmm. like, that's a win. It, yeah. Wins come in all, all shapes and sizes. You mm -hmm. know, there's not just one person that wins that day. Um, you know, another, another good dialogue that you can have with yourself is in, is, like we could say, let's see what you're capable of, which is basically TBY. You know, mm -hmm. you're not worried about other people. You're worried about what 
you, you know, can if, accomplish. If, if I dig as deep as I can dig and push as hard as I can push, what can I do? And that that's exactly what TBY is. It's the best you. You're not worried about other people. You're just worried about how dig you can deep. How <laughs> I don't even have the microphone, but how, we were telling Colin before this, like, hey, if, if you stumble on your words and you mess up, it's okay. I do it all the time. We'll go back and cut them unless you're Dan. And if you say how, how dig can you deep, we're going to keep it and we might even make it the title of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So, anyhow, this is so hard to get through this list, Joe. Uh, another good one that I really like to use is, uh, and this is Johnny Osgerthorpe taught me this one, is smooth as fast. Oh, that's so true. Like, especially on this course, if you start riding sloppy and panicky and... and You go from like 200 watts to 2 watts to 500 watts to 40 watts, it's not going to be a yeah, good day Yeah, and, and like on the descents, you know, if, if you're like floating over the descent, it's going to be, if you're slamming through it, you're going to get flat tires and broken rims. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, you know, you got to be light on your hands. If you're riding over a rock, you should be standing up probably, mm-hmm. you know, you shouldn't, um, you got to be smooth and, and focusing on smoothness isn't going to slow you down. Yeah. You, getting sloppy will slow you down yeah so what i found that helps me with like being really smooth is focusing on my foot position like making sure i'm level because that makes me feel mm-hmm. like i'm balanced and ready to take on the challenge of the descent or the ascent it helps me just stay focused and be in my position like making sure my left foot's forward yeah and alex grant when he would descend he would always tell himself <coughs> to relax your shoulders mm-hmm. that's what he would say to himself he's like relax my shoulders which obviously worked yeah ob- yeah i think that's awesome um, another good one is just remember light hands, heavy feet, you know, when it's time to descend, just tell yourself that, you know, just light hands, heavy feet, light hands, heavy feet. And that's going to help you be smooth. Um, you know, and I, I actually like uh, to just to jump in really quick. Will you collect your thoughts here with the notes, Dan? Um, I think that, and you can probably feel this too. We spend so much time on our bikes that it kind of becomes second nature. I think it's really good to remind yourself, like you're riding a bike. You know, like if I, I catch myself all the time, like I was descending quarry yesterday and I was like, I am descending like garbage today. I don't know what the deal is. And then you kind of realize like, you, like, like, I love what you said, like, let's make sure your feet are level and that your shoulders are relaxed. Let's make sure your weight's in the right spot, you know, because it's like, we don't, you know, we don't always walk well, but if you think like, I'm going to have good posture and I'm going to walk, like if you're walking into a job interview, I'm walking differently than when I walk to the bathroom, right? Yeah. You know, um, so I think maybe take an opportunity to remind yourself that like, your body is doing a complex thing that like requires some amount of focus and attention and that don't just let it be sec- I mean, let it be second nature to the extent that that makes you smooth, but do pay attention, you know, to like, make sure you're not like, have you ever, have you ever found yourself just like death gripping the bars? Oh yeah. My like, white knuckling it the entire right. time. My hands are just killing me. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like I, like I was following Andrew down Tanner's for the first time earlier this year. I don't know if you've ever written that. Like yeah, really Tanner's, scary yeah. stuff. Right. Very intense. And I caught myself like, I, I literally, my, my fingers were white because I was gripping the bars. So I was like, that's not helping me. You no. know? So like the fact, like don't, not everything that your body naturally does on the bike is going to help you. So this internal dialogue, um, I, I don't know how much faith a lot of people have in it. I personally, th- this would be my challenge, is just give it a shot because I promise it's not going to hurt and it's only going to help. And and I think it's just going to help you become kind of better friends with yourself. Basically, just don't be a dick to yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't I mean, beat yourself up uh, yeah. during a race because if you do, it's going to be over. It's, it's just not going to help. Negative self-talk is never going to help you. Positive self-talk could only help. Mm-hmm. And I think that leading up to the race, this is something you should probably start practicing. 
you know, start thinking like, start thinking fewer negative jerky thoughts and start thinking more positive, helpful, useful thoughts, you know, and they don't have to, and these thoughts shouldn't be unrealistic. They should be helpful and useful and uh, just give that a try. And I, I do just want to just, you know, just switch gears a little bit and talk about something I was, I was thinking about a little bit. And, and I, th I thought this might be appropriate for, you know, leading up to our last race of the season, um, unless you're doing cross, which I would encourage you to do, especially it's that corner canyon group like Lauren and, and those guys, Kyson. Kyson's, Kyson's group that he's been coaching and they've been really representing us well, but I'll just throw that in there real quick. But um, I want to talk about the difference between fun, happiness, and joy. Okay. So let's, let's talk about fun because I've, I've said to people a lot of times, you know, that like you, if, you know, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong, that, that these rides should be fun um, that you should be ha like, if, if you're not having fun, you're not going to be doing it for, but let's talk about like the difference between fun, happiness, and joy, because I was thinking about like fun, like fun, there's different kinds of fun, right? Like not all fun is created equal. There's some fun that's like good and positive fun. There's some fun that's kind of neutral fun. And there's some fun that might even be kind of bad or destruct destructive fun or selfish fun or so, um, you know, there's like, there's kind of like there's some people that have fun when they're really, really serious. And there's some people that have fun when they're totally screwing around and they're not the same thing really. You know, like, like I go on a good hard training ride and do like, that's fun to me. Like I go on a ride where I feel like we just screwed around the whole time and that's not really fun to me, but that's fun to some people, you know? And so um, like some fun is safe and some fun's dangerous and, and some fun is selfish and some some fun is virtuous so there's lots of different kinds of fun you know and um and i i actually like that point that you made because i've told people before like like fun sometimes i'm sure you're back in this call on is like sitting on the couch at 1 30 in the morning playing video games and eating chips and then some fun is a six hour bike ride you know um, like the after when you go get Costa Vida with Dan after yeah, seven exactly. hours on a big ride in uh, Park City. Right. The ride after your hands are dying, but right. you feel so accomplished and you had right. so much fun while you were doing right. it. Right. And it's like you don't feel good, but you feel good. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that like if you're listening to this and you ride bikes, that'll be intuitive to you. I think if you don't do something like this, like that might be a totally foreign concept, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's super important to have fun. But let's just keep in mind there's different kinds of fun you know and um so so then what is like what's happiness then Ooh, i don't know i think i i like i think i'm in a place right now in my life where i think happiness would be the lack of anxiety you know and i, I mean that's kind of depressing I to say agree, do you feel that do you do you get oh, what i'm yeah, saying because i'm right in the middle of college applications and right. this race season and school is so hard and it's like if i have a day where i can just sit back and ride my bike and then hang out with my friends. Yeah. That makes me happy. Like, right. Being able to go, like, I love waking up in the morning at like seven, riding my bike for three hours, going home, showering, eating. Yep. And then going on, hanging out with my friends. That's, That's the like, best. The best day ever for me. Right. 
Right. You know, and I think, um, but I think if you're like a really bored person, then maybe happiness to you is like fulfillment. Like I have a lot of things in my life that are fulfilling. I'm not lacking for fulfillment, but I have a lot of things in my life that are constantly eating away at me. So I think happiness is probably a, a personal thing, right? Yeah. Happiness is interesting because, um, happiness really is kind of like a result of your circumstances. You know, like you said, like you happen to have this day where you have less anxiety than another day that makes you happy, which is kind of like a result of your circumstances that day. One thing I would point out about happiness where I said like fun can be kind of like there's different kinds of fun and, you know, and there's even kind of the distinction between fun and pleasure and, you know, there's, there's kind of different levels of fun. I think happiness is generally a good thing. You know, I think, I think happiness is good. And usually like if it's not, then it's not really actual happiness, you know, like something that might make you feel good. That's bad. Isn't really making you happy. So I think happiness is usually a good thing. And like I said, it's usually a result of circumstances. Like you go out on a ride and you feel good. That makes you happy. You know, or you, you're outside and you see a really pretty sunset that makes you happier. You're like, it's, it's Christmas time and you see a pretty Christmas tree and look outside your window and, and there's big snowflakes falling down, you know, that, is, that makes me that, happy. That, stuff like that makes it. you happy, you know. Um, for me personally, like eating something really delicious makes me happy, you know. Like um, one thing about happiness is it kind of comes and goes, you know. Like you can't always be that happy like all the time necessarily if it's if it's happiness, you know. Um, but you can kind of create more circumstances which would make you happy, you know. Like you can kind of structure your life so that you have more opportunities to be happy, you know, like ride your bike more, hang out with people that you like more or so forth. Um, but happiness really is kind of a response to external things. It's how you react and how you feel about external things. And that's, that's happiness. Now let's, let's talk about what joy is. Joy is kind of, I would say joy, a, a synonym, joy was, is what I would kind of almost consider kind of more lasting happiness or, or long-term happiness. Joy is, is something internal. It's something, it's something lasting and something can bring you joy that isn't necessarily fun or doesn't always make you happy. And what do you think would be the best example of that? I would say raising kids, you know, like for the, I couldn't personally agree with that, but Dan just kind of looked at both of us. I'm like, Colin and I, so far as I know, don't have children, but <laughs> so far as I know, but that's how I have heard people describe it that way that like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in some ways, but then it's like, you'd never give it up because it brings you so much joy, right? Like it, it destroys a lot of things in your life, like your time and your money and stuff. I'm really selling it here. Right. But that like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think you've, I, I haven't had a conversation with a parent where they're like, yeah, this sucks. I wish I hadn't had a kid. Right. And even if you maybe think that from time to time, like, you know, there's some kind of deep, deep, uh, uh, like you said, lasting happiness going on there, right? Exactly. It's like, and I think that's probably the ultimate example, but there's a lot of things that like in life can bring you joy where it might not always bring you happiness or it might not always be fun, but it, it's always rewarding and coming from inside can, it, it, you, the, the happiness is almost created from inside rather than coming an from outside, the outside. An outside force. Yeah. Like, I can't speak to it, but I bet for you, Dan, watching your kid get married brought you a lot of joy. I feel like that's, like, peak. Like, you raised your kid to be the best he can. He found somebody he loves, and now he's married. Like, I feel like 
that would be one. I don't know. Like watching Dan at the wedding, it kind of seemed like he was just mad. He couldn't be on a bike ride. He's like, I'm in Mill Creek and I'm not riding my bike. Like, What's wrong with this? I should yeah, be riding right? my bike. Yeah, right. I was like, so I was like, oh, do I have to go? Can I just like, can just like, <laughs> go zoom, ride pipeline? Can I just zoom in from the trainer? Or... Oh my goodness. Um, no. <laughs> no, but really, like, Finding things that, that bring you joy is really kind of the holy grail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like if you could find, like if you had a job, like a career that actually brought you joy, first of all, you'd be somewhat of a unicorn. You know, there's not, not a whole lot of people actually could do that. But wouldn't that just be awesome, you know, to just do something in life that actually brought you joy, you know? And like, I mean, honestly, for me, like running Maybird, huge source of joy for me. Like, yeah. Seeing kids like fall in love with bike cycling and getting healthier and happier and having fun and, you know, meeting and, all these new people yeah, and making friends with kids from different schools and, and, you know, treating people well and, and, and being kind to each other and stuff like all that stuff just really brings me joy. And there's times where it's not always fun or might not always be happy, but usually it does, you know. You know, and, and that's my hope through this whole experience, you know, like through through your however many years you've been riding your bike and becoming athletes and becoming endurance a- athletes and so forth. I, I really hope this is something that, that's brought you joy, you know, because you're not always going to have good days. Like some races are going to go bad or like most races aren't going to go. I've had too many as, of them. Where yeah, most races great. aren't going to go as amazing as you want them to occasionally you're going to have an amazing race. Um, you know, not all rides are amazingly fun. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes they're, you know, you, you break something on your bike, but you know, a lot of times you're going to have fun. Sometimes you're going to be happy, but I, I ultimately hope that this whole experience has, has brought you guys joy Yeah, and has, has made you better people. Um, yeah. Cause like, I especially feel that with like my bike season, especially two years ago, my first big year at national with my, with my national season with Dan. Like I remember, my races were terrible. Arkansas, I got like fortieth, um, and then Missoula, I got like twenty third, and then uh, Temecula, I got like twentieth or twenty first. And then I remember at Winter Park, that was my first national race, the big one. Like that was like I was so nervous, and I was able to pull it together, and I got like sixteenth out of 120 kids and I was just like I remember it was like after all those bad races after all the time with training this brings me joy the fact that it worked out that I was able to come past the elevation and the hard course and all the people that crashed in front of me and I was able to push through and that like that for me brings me a lot of joy is seeing the success you know as we're approaching state just kind of along those lines I just want to point out something that you know that that this race is important, that states is important. I'm not going to take away from that at all, but it's not really the reason that you guys have gone on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rides and have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours on your bike. That it, it's not just for this one race. It's like the work is better than the reward, or but it's it's everything leading up to that that just makes it awesome. And that's just kind of like something to do really, but it's not the reason we're doing it. Mm-hmm. We're doing the work to do the work and we're doing the rides to do the rides. And, and it's all that stuff kind of added up that that's what's really awesome. You know, 
Um, a few final bits of advice, you know, I would say leading up to, to this big race for everyone is, you know, when you show up to the race and there's all the music playing and all the people and all the different teams and tents, just just soak up that energy and use it. It, Especially because, like, Dan can attest to this, like, it was a big deal when, like, Olympus and Skyline weren't in the same region because we're just such a close team. Like, I'm looking forward to the race, but I'm so looking forward to Friday and Saturday night and Sunday and Thursday because I get to hang out with the people I never saw. Like, I think that's the most important part is the bonding that you get to have. Oh, while you're absolutely. There. And I would say just soak that up and and just share that energy with each other. You know, like... You guys, when you guys run into Colin at the race, like soak up some of his energy. It's only going to help you, I promise. You know, and, and soak up that energy from each other. And um, it, it's it's just going to be an awesome experience. And just enjoy that. You know, don't don't stress about it. Just just get excited about it. You know, um, out there, you know, when you're racing, I just want you to just discover what you're capable of. You know, and I think I think a lot of us out there listening right now are capable of more than we really realize we're capable of you know if you can if you can dig deep enough and find it you're going to be able to do just amazing things um and like i always say you know and if if ever anyone if ever anyone asks race advice for me like last minute i i almost always just say you know what go out there and and dig deep and give it all you got and if you do that you deserve to finish the race happy Mm-hmm. Like, if you've, like, gone out there, given it your all, done everything you can to do the best you can, that's the best race. Absolutely. You know, and, and I hope that this experience and all the experiences you've had leading up to this, I hope it's been a source, source of joy. And I hope it's something that's, that's helped you become a better person. And I hope that you can kind of continue to channel that throughout your life. And... Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I, uh, I hope you guys actually internalize this. I think you will at some point in your life. You may as well do it now. You know that, like, like Dan said, I think if you give it your best, uh, you deserve to finish happy. And uh, if, if, uh, uh, you know, if you've got the sticker still, the TBY sticker, you know, I'd, I'd pay attention to that. Like, re- really, really try to internalize that. Everyone, I hope everyone has a, a great race. Please be safe. Um, do Don't everything crash you can like I did. Prepare. It hurts. Don't crash like Colin. Um, uh, you know, really... Keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down. Yeah, there you go. Um, like to thank Colin for being with us this week. Um, it's been a pleasure. We, we uh, will hopefully have you back at some point in the future if we haven't scared you away. Uh, everybody, uh, be safe this week. Uh, do your best, and we will come to you next week with a, with a fun little States recap. Should be a party. See you guys.